Last week I talked about releasing a new song. Today I want to talk about becoming or releasing a new sound. And we're going to talk about sound today. I'm going to teach you a few things about music philosophy and how it ties into what I believe God wants to do here at Rock City Church. And uh, Jeremy reminded me that six years ago, in 2014, when we started the church, I did a whole teaching on a new sound. And I went back and looked at it, and I was like, wow, I had forgotten all about that. And uh, I'm not going to do it quite like that, though there's a couple things that I'm going to pull out from it. And uh, we probably have the audio somewhere. Maybe we ought to find that and, and put that back up. And so, uh, but we're going to talk about being a new sound today. Last week, we talked about being a new song. And Amber and I were talking this last week. And we're talking about when do you release the new song? And the typical mindset is that you release the new song whenever you have a breakthrough. So when God does something really incredible in your life, you sing. When a victory happens, you sing. And we do find that all over in the Bible. In uh, Genesis 15, or I'm sorry, Exodus 15, when the Lord delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and they crossed through the Red Sea, Moses sang a new song to the Lord about the victory that they had, God's power over creation, God's power over the enemy, and God's power to save you. That's the gist of Exodus 15. It's an incredible song. And funny enough is that the very last song, that's the first song in the Bible, is in Exodus 15. The last song in the Bible is Revelation 15. And in Revelation 15, the saints are singing a victory song of Moses, the same concept of uh, Exodus 15 about victory over the enemy, the beast being destroyed, okay? So music is incredibly powerful to the Lord. There are 185 songs in the Bible, 185 songs. You think singing's important? It is. 185 songs are in the Bible. The You've got the wisdom books of Psalms and Proverbs. You've got uh, Song of Solomon. You've got Lamentations. You've got uh, singing and poetic language all throughout Isaiah, the prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah. You've got the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. And so everywhere in the Bible, there are songs. And I'm not going to teach you or talk about all the songs today. There's a few that I might talk about. But the most important thing I want you to know right now is that your new song is not just meant to be sung when you have a breakthrough. That's the typical charismatic lie or even Christian lie is that when I get my breakthrough, I will fill in the blank. I'll rejoice, I'll sing my new song, I'll worship, or I'll proclaim what God did. And that happens all the time in the church. People that I see never give a testimony, as soon as they get that big fat tax refund check, they're giving praise God or some big thing that they've always, you don't hear anything along the way until something really great happens. And then we testify of it and that's okay. And I want you to do that. But what I really want you to do is testify along the way. Think of the book of Psalms, the entire book of Psalms, 150 songs, Psalm is songs, 150 songs where King David and some others, but predominantly King David, are talking about their victories, their failures, their wins, their losses, being crushed, crushing the enemy. All of the highs and lows that King David was going through, he talked about it and they became songs all along the way. 
And those songs serve as a reminder of God's faithfulness in the midst of hardship. We go to the Psalms to find comfort uh, when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. When God brings us out of captivity, we were like dreamers. There's all kinds of answers rooted in the life of David and in the songs that he sang all along the way. In fact, the Old Testament book of Psalms is the modern day worship manual for the New Testament church. But it doesn't stop there. As I said last week, we are continuationists. What does it mean to be a continuationist? It means that I don't believe that we add to God's word. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we continue God's word. Meaning that the signs and wonders and miracles and power of God and the voice of God didn't just stop with the apostles. But we're apostolic in nature. Not apostles in a sense like I'm a new apostle. And then suddenly there's thousands or millions of new apostles. That's not what I'm talking about. To be apostolic means that we take the nature and character of Christ in the Great Commission and we send and propel and transform communities and regions around us. Really, that's what apostolic means. And so the songs that were written in the Bible and the lives that God burst by his spirit are designed to be living epistles for all men to read. Your life is an open book. Your life should be an open book. But some of y'all got some secret hidden pages. Don't go to this page or skip that chapter. Okay? And what I want to say to you is there's no chapter skipping. Okay? Now, we'll love you. We'll care for you. But I'm going to keep putting pressure on you. Let's, read, let's get that chapter out loud. It doesn't mean you have to come up here on a microphone or you have to tell everybody your stuff. What it does mean is we don't hide anymore. We find somebody safe. We talk to somebody that can pull us up higher. We're open and honest with the Lord. We're not hiding things. Because the truth is, is God already knows everything about you. And God can easily tell somebody else everything about you. Now, God in his mercy and kindness says, love covers doesn't expose a multitude of sins. So I probably could call out about 75%, 80%, maybe even 100% of the people that I come in front of. But instead, God shows me who they're called to be, and I speak life and promise and hope, and I cover you instead of expose you and beat you over the head with a Bible. That's a healthy culture, right? And so we're a continuation in the context of we're living epistles. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's writing the book of your life, and it's a messy story for some of us, right? Really messy. But that's the beauty of the story. I mean, who wants a story where nothing ever bad happens and there's no struggles, no trials, no hardship, no highs, no lows, no overcoming? The story that God's written is a story of overcoming and promise and hope and life. Who you once were and who you are now. What God did, rejoicing so that other people can see your life and grab onto it and say, if he did it for you, he can do it for me. All right? And so singing the new song isn't just at the breakthrough, it's in the growth through. More than the God of the breakthrough, he's the God of the growth through. So the idea here is that I'm always releasing what's in me along the way. I preach from my life experiences, I talk to people from my life experiences, and I sing songs from my life experiences. Okay? Now, some people have a real hard time with music, some people have a real hard time in the house of God is not designed to be the same as secular rock and roll or hip hop music. It may have a similar beat, 
but it should have a different message. Okay? Now, music has an incredible power to resonate in all of our souls and in all of our hearts, right? Like some of you, when you're really sad, you're putting on country music. Okay, maybe not everybody and all the time, but typically it's like, man, I'm really down. I need to go with some friends in low places. I mean, you're cranking up. I mean, Garth Brooks is your jam, right? Take me to the watering hole. You cry over my beer, whatever it is. Or maybe it's rage music. You've never listened to rage music. Maybe it's scream, core, rage, violent, just stirs up anger. And hey, some of, come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not, oh, some of you I know not now. But what I'm saying is, is we always had a music or a genre or a style that speaks to the emotions of our heart and how we're feeling. But what you need to know is God is the ultimate source of all emotions in life. And when God releases his sound through you, it speaks and comforts and strengthens your soul like no other. But the problem is, is that if somebody loves darkness more than light, they're going to really have a hard time with worship. Too long. It's not my style. I don't like it. There's a lot of people that don't even come for worship or when worship starts. When's this going to be done? It's too loud. Why is she singing like that? I don't know those songs. I don't know that lyric. Let's just get to Pastor David's preaching. It can't work like that because the worship and the preaching go hand in hand. They're both releasing a message and a sound and a song just in different ways and both speak to your soul just in different ways. So worship and what God has done, or even good Christian music, is designed to speak to your soul and comfort you and strengthen you and bring healing and life to your life. And you can even have different styles of worship music, like you have different genres of music that also speak and comfort you in different ways and at different times. Like when I go to the gym, I'm cranking up Andy Minio. I'm like hip-hop, loud, rocking, full speed ahead. At night, I'm listening to hip-hop. That's that's my music of choice at the gym. I'm like bumping, thumping, cranking. The kids get in the car. Man, we're turning it up loud. The car's rattling and basing and thumping. And we're we're proclaiming Jesus with hip hop. Right? Or there's sometimes I'm like, you know what? I need some really, really good rock and roll. Christian rock and roll. Now I'm old school Christian rock and roll. So I'm like cranking up Pillar and P.O.D. and Wish for Eden, all these old Christian rock bands that I used to listen to. I'm like, ah, yeah. Now, I don't quite get into scream core like Dylan, some of these other guys do. Christian scream core is just not my thing. It's just like not pleasing to me, okay? But it's a style and preference thing, but the style and preference should line up with God's style and preference. You hear me? The style and preference should line up with God's style and preference, right? Like I like the Christian country singer, Zach, uh, Zach Williams, thank you. Seriously, like he's awesome. I mean, I've got all his albums. So I like all those styles. I like all kinds. There's Christian reggae, Christafari, there's hip hop. There's all kinds of great Christian music out there that speaks life to you. And so for the most part, I have disconnected from most of the secular music that I listen to. But the thing is, is many people will go and love a Jimmy Buffett concert, but you come to church and you're, or you want to crank up some Bob Marley in the car, but we get into the church time, it's like, you won't come and worship for 30 minutes, but you'll go to a Bob Seger concert. Now, some of y'all don't even know. She doesn't even know who Bob Seger is. 
Oh, you do? Who is he? <laughs> He's a singer. He's a singer. That's right. That's right. You have to understand that worship and the sound and the song has a purpose and a meaning behind it. It's not haphazard. Worship should never be haphazard to you. Why do we worship the Lord? We worship the Lord because he's the source of all life. And in our gratitude and thankfulness of who he is and what he's done, we sing our new songs and we release it back to him, our thankfulness and our gratitude and our honor and our, all of our worth, giving it to him of who's really worthy of it all. But what does he do? In turn, about 99% of the time, when you make it about him, he comes and speaks to you about you. So in worship, as we send it up to him, he reigns it back down. You begin to weep. You begin to cry. You begin to have encounters. You begin to have experiences. You begin to commune with the Lord. And so that's why when I come to church, I'm not sitting back, standing by. I'm worshiping all the time. Not because you're here or because people should see me worship. I'm also not worshiping because, man, I had three hours with the Lord last night. Man, I was, it was awesome. I haven't sinned that I know of in two or three weeks. And man, I'm like on top of the, the, the moon and I'm coming in. I'm like, look at me, Lord, thank you. God, you're so good because I have been so good. Doesn't that sound silly? You're so good because I'm so good. Doesn't work like that. Instead, I come in desperate and hungry because you know what that leads to? If you come in with the attitude of worshiping God because you've been so great, It'll always lead to you saying, thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy. And that is a deceptive lie. That's what happened with the tax collector and the Pharisee. Pharisee's got it all together, thanking God he's so good, but he's pointing a finger at the tax collector who's so bad and keeping his distance. You know what I love to do? I like to get in with the dirty guys. I like to get in with those that are messed up. I like to surround myself with teenagers. I like to get around people that are extravagant that are wild, that are passionate and worship crazy instead of sit back, hold back, sit down and question and be skeptical about everything. Now I'm intense about this subject because this is a worshiping church. This isn't Kumbaya church. This is a church on a mission to transform lives and rescue men and pull out people in the darkest, most hurting places because I have been there. So one of the main reasons why I worship is because I'm so desperate because I know the minute I stop, the minute I get out of worship, the minute I stop seeking his face is the minute I do something I shouldn't do. It's the minute I question in a way that I shouldn't be questioned. I get skeptical and I find myself stepping into the flesh instead of staying in the spirit. That's why God has flipped the narrative in my life. For the longest time, my best and only quiet times with the Lord were in the mornings. And God said, well, well I'm gonna change that. Now it's gonna be in the evenings, in the night." And most of the time, up until recently, I put my six and seven-year-old to bed and I'm cross-eyed delirious and I'm asleep by 9.15. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like fried out. Used to be always a night owl. But once you get little kids, and at my age, I'm like, the coffee wore off nine hours ago. I'm not gonna sleep. I go to put the kids to bed and I'm falling asleep putting the kids to bed. And then when I come out, I'm just so cross-eyed tired that I can't even stay awake to have quiet time. But God switched that. So instead of me going right to bed, I put my headphones on and I start to get in an atmosphere and an attitude of worship. And I found that God has begun to speak to me more times than just at those sometimes. And anytime you start to compartmentalize God in your little specific time and this time and no more, God will flip the narrative and say, that's not gonna work anymore because now I want you all the time, not just sometimes. 
And that all the time begins to fuel a fire inside of your life where you realize I have to stay in the spirit all the time. You know what happens if I don't stay in the spirit? You don't, we don't want to talk about that. I start thinking things I shouldn't think. I start looking at things I shouldn't look at. And that's why I got to stay aggressive. I don't, I don't want to see those football commercials. You say you're so, spirit, so super spiritual. Pastor. Let me tell you how you have to live in this day and age. Most people are getting their heinies kicked by the enemy because they're compromising with what they see and what they look at. And I got little kids I've got to protect. My own little kids. That's why I said this last service. I don't give my kids free reign with Disney Channel. I don't give my kids free reign with Netflix. And the iPads and TV is not my kid's babysitter. If they're going to watch a show, I'm going to watch a show. We put on Mulan. Loved it. I thought it was a great movie. There's all kinds of Chinese mysticism in it and the Phoenix and all this kind of stuff. But I'm able to flip that narrative and talk with them because I thought it was a great movie and a great story of overcoming darkness by taking what they called the noble path. Even the witch somewhat gets redeemed in it. Okay, because people are scorned and angry and whatever the reason is, they run away. And that's what happens in the church. So I'm teaching my kids, man, I'm shot. I said, that's just like the Holy Spirit. This Phoenix is following around. I said, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit goes with you everywhere. And the Holy Spirit's way more. We watch these, some, some superhero movies, some, and I'm right there. I'm like, God is so much more powerful than Captain America. Let me just tell you right now. <laughs> Iron Man's got nothing on Jesus is what I tell him. Right? But the thing is, is you got to stay in the spirit because the enemy's attacks and assault on the goodness of God and to keep you from releasing a sound and a song is always there. I'm going to show you here in a minute, Ephesians 5, where it says we are to greet one another in songs, spiritual songs and hymns, making a melody in your heart. I'm going to show this to you. Really, it should go backwards. I make a melody in my heart and therefore, when I greet you, I have a song, a hymn, a spiritual song. And it brings us together as one in unity. The melody in your heart always starts in a secret place long before you come out into the public place. Remember that. So when do we sing our new songs? We sing new songs for the new things God is about to do, particularly faith and trust in Jesus and what the Father desires and plans to do. That's what I taught you last week in Isaiah 42, 9 and 10. Behold, I do a new thing. The things that I've said, the former things, everything I've prophesied and promised has come to pass. I'm doing a new thing. Therefore, sing a new song to the Lord, right? So we sing a new song to the Lord because we know that Jesus is the new thing. He's doing a new thing. What was the new thing? Jesus is coming. The whole Isaiah 42 is about Jesus, the Messiah. So some of you are waiting and not singing because you haven't got your breakthrough or you're not fired up or you're in a miserable situation. You can't play your bills. Your, your relationships are going terrible. Your kids have gone prodigal. Everything's bad. Bad, 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 bad. Fear, 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 fear. COVID's everywhere. Everybody's freaked out, feared out. Money, finances, I get it. It's all going on around us. But the posture of my heart is different than the posture of the world's heart. The world and the spirit of the sage should not be inside of you. And one of the ways to do that is to believe that God's going to do a new thing. So the psalm or the writer Isaiah says, I'm going to sing a new song because God's about to do a new thing. But what's your song? My song is the things I'm believing for and I'm trusting for. God, you're faithful and kind. You're going to do everything that you said you do. My family's going to grow up strong and knowing you and become everything you've called them to be. Prophets and evangelists and apostolic sons and daughters to the nations, transforming cities. I start writing and singing and declaring songs with the Lord. 
But that's got to come from within inside of me from the heartbeat of God. See, I'll show you here in a minute that your larynx or your voice box is basically where the wind of your lungs flows through, constricting or restricting, creating sound. It creates a sound, but your mouth creates the speech of the song. But it first comes from the heart. So if you're not born again, the song you will sing will reflect everything opposite of who he really is. That's why you have to have a heart change. The heart is directly correlated. So we sing for God's marvelous works and his truth and his truth of his word, Psalm 33, 3. Remember from last week, if you didn't listen to last week, I'd encourage you to go listen to last week. But Psalm 33, 3, we literally sing a new song because of how marvelous he is and how truthful he is to his word. We sing a new song in the midst of darkness and despair when we cry out and God inclines his ear and answers us to testify of how he established and rescued you to those who would see it, hear it, and fear it and in turn put their trust in the Lord. Let's say this together. Say, see it, see it. hear it, hear and fear it. And that's, that's Psalm 40. I waited patiently upon the Lord. He inclined his ear and he heard me and he rescued me out of a miry clay, out of the pit that I was in. And he set my feet upon a solid rock. Therefore, I will praise the Lord and all, I will sing a new song and all will hear it, see it and fear it and put their trust in the Lord. I just paraphrase Psalm 33, three for you. Or, I'm sorry, Psalm 40 verses one through three or four. And so what happens is, is that we put our complete trust in God and we cry out to him. He rescues us. And now in your transformation, those people you used to run with and hang with, you know, those people you should have never been running and hanging with, or that thing you shouldn't have been doing. Now they see you and they say, wait a minute. You mean she has given her life to the Lord and changed? And when they call you and say, hey, let's go clubbing, bumping, partying, drinking, smoking, token, whatever it is that you used to do with all those people that you shouldn't have been doing. Now you say, I'm not that person anymore. I'm a child, a daughter of the king, a son of the king, and I'm not going to go back to the way I used to be. And guess what they say? They say, you mean that person? You mean this girl that I went to high school with that used to be this way? This person I used to drink and part with that used to be this way is now saying no because I'm giving my life to Jesus. Some will say, now I want nothing to do with you, but mark my words one day. There are people watching by this live stream. There are people that have come full circle many years later that I used to run with going to dead concerts and partying and drinking that said, if God could save David Bendet, it is a miracle. That's all y'all. And trust me, you didn't have to do what I did. You could have been an intellectual jerk. You could have been such a religious staunch person where all you do is cut people up with scriptures and you got no life and no spirit behind you and nobody really liked you until one day God really truly crucified your mind and your heart and suddenly you became so flamed on that your fragrance that came out of you produced life in them. Everybody needs Jesus equally. Mark my words. You didn't have to go do drugs and party. And that's my prayer for my kids, your kids, these young adults and these teenagers, that they'd never go do the things that I did. But trust me, 
everybody will need the Lord just as much as the next person. And everybody will have their own story and their own testimony. Mark my words. But my job and what I'm going to work the hardest to is to keep your kids from doing the things that we did. We live in a county with the highest, some of the highest teen pregnancy rates in the nation. You better believe I'm going to be aggressive to protect our teenagers. You better believe it. Because we got kids having kids and kids raising up fatherless without any idea of what life and family looks like. And many of you are here and thank God God brought you here. Because now you can find mothers and fathers and family to help you. You single moms and those of you that so desperately need people that will invest into your life and care for your soul. That's what family does. Amen. And so we sing a new song before we're rescued out of the pit. Who's in a pit today? You may be in despair, hurting, broken, and even addicted to whatever. This is the time for you to sing your new song. This is the time. Say, God is faithful. I may not see it, but I'm trusting him. You know a great example is Paul and Silas in prison. In fact, the guard, because they had wrecked the livelihood of the city, the guard put them in lockdown. Some of you don't know what lockdown is. It's not a normal jail cell. Lockdown is like you ain't seeing anybody, talking to anybody. You're no daylight. You are in the inner prison. And that's where they were thrown. In fact, not only were they thrown in the inner prison, their ankles were locked up in chains. So you know what they did? They started praising God and worshiping. And what happened? An earthquake came. Did they wait for the earthquake? Did they wait to get set free? Or did they worship in the dungeon? Come on, guys. You're not that bad. You may, be, you may think you're the worst worker. I deal with murderers. I've been in prison. I deal with the people that many of you will never talk to. And there's some of you here that'll reach people I'll never reach. You'll reach people I won't reach. You will reach people I won't reach. Fabian reaches people that I won't reach in the lowrider car club world. God can do the miraculous, but the people you can't reach will hook you up with people like this guy, a really white guy from Minnesota who will reach people that you'll never reach. <clears throat> An anointed white guy from Minnesota. That's how that works. He'll use this guy, a really good Baptist guy from the past, getting up talking about hip hop. He's like, man, this is awkward. We're gonna bump it. Hey, we're gonna bump it. He's doing his thing. It's like, awkward, awkward. Don't do that. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So you gotta stop limiting yourself. You are a song meant to be sung out loud. I taught you that last week. And so I get it. Some of you can't sing, like my wife. She can't sing. No, listen. But when she sings, I put a smile, I'm like, and I'm like, what is happening right now? She's like, yeah, la, 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 la. I'm like, however it is that she's saying. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know why? It's not so much about the sound as it is the heart coming from behind the sound. That's what you got to say. That's what you got to say. We sing to the Lord for his marvelous, his marvels and his miracles. How victorious he is and in turn we are for his power and strength, for what he has done and what he's about to do, for his love and his faithfulness and how kind he is. Psalm 98, verses one through five in the Passion Translation. 
And I wanna say something about the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation is not my daily, everyday go-to. I read it a lot in comparison to the doctrinal word that I was always taught from the New King James Version. When I gave my life to the Lord, I first had an NIV Bible, which I read forever. Then all the Bible studies that I did in prison were the King James Version. Then I switched to the New King James Version. Now the Passion Translation is really more like a really good uh, paraphrase. It breaks it down the way I teach it to you. It looks at the Hebrew and the Greek, and it brings in modern day words that I go, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. But I'm, it's not my everyday daily solo go-to. Instead, most of my Bible studies are done with Bible Gateway online with the, par- with the parallel Bible put up, and I've got both versions. You can even do two, three, four versions at a time and compare how different writers or different authors broke down the original Greek and the Hebrew. So I do teach from it, but it's not my primary everyday go-to, just so that you know. Psalms 98, verse one through five, and you're gonna see why I like it so much. Let's read it in the Passion. Go ahead. Not maybe it's not how it's said, but I'm like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That's how I read it. Go ahead with your bad self. Go ahead with your bad self. I am getting a look from my wife right now, just so y'all know. Look at this says, sing your brand new song to the Lord, not your old outdated blues death metal song. I said it last week, you can't sing your new song till you let go of your old song. I, for me, I had to let go of the Grateful Dead. Now, every now and then, some of the songs I'll listen to that have good words, there's a few songs I like, but it's very rare. I'm not going back to my old life to find comfort. I'm singing a brand new song. Yeah. If you're going to sing a new song, you got to let go of the old song. And there's some music straight up you, I cannot listen to. Some of y'all are rocking Snoop Dogg, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's bad for your soul. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. I have no problem saying it. A lot of music's very bad for your soul. So sing your brand new song to the Lord. He's famous for his miracles and marvels. For he is victorious through his mighty power and holy strength. Everyone knows how God has saved us. For he has displayed his justice throughout history. He never forgets to show his love and faithfulness. How kind he has been to Israel. All the nations know how he stands behind his people and how he saves his own. Israel, the nation of Israel is an incredible testimony to the existence and faithfulness of God. This is a nation that has been through so much turmoil, lost its homeland, nearly wiped out multiple times. Think Holocaust, think captivity. And God has brought them back in faithfulness after all the years. And now it's a wonderful powerhouse nation to all the nations of the world. Does it have issues? Yes. Does it need Jesus? Yes. Are they original chosen people? Yes. Are we grafted in? Yes. Did God pull away his original intent towards them? No. But without Jesus, they're not gonna get the promise of God, just so that you know. And Jesus came from them. You know that. So go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So go ahead. You guys aren't even fired up today. I'm, I'm like, what? I need, I need Chris up here right now. I'm looking for him. 
So go ahead, everyone, and shout out your praises with joy. Break out of the box and let loose with the most joyous sound of praise. Sing your melody. I'm going to teach something about melody here in a minute. Sing your melody of praise to the Lord and make music like never before. That's my attitude. I'm going to make music like never before. I'm going to have music on and I get into intercession. I personally like to listen to IHOP more so because I like two hours of straight intercession and people praying and spontaneous. Many times I don't even know where they're going. So I got my headphone on. They're just following the river. I'm following the river. And I use that as a launching pad for me to start singing and declaring. And it's not always with somebody else's music. Many times it's on my own. But what I start doing is that I start agreeing and believing with God for what I want him to do in my future. My kids... I'm singing, God, I thank you that my kids, and I'm praying, sometimes I'm praying, sometimes I'm seeking. It's all a song in my heart. But one of the things that I've been doing is I've been really agreeing with the Lord about finances. And I'm just telling you this now because it's in this context, and I can do that. How much do I talk about money here in church? Very, very little. How much have you heard me talk about the new sanctuary coming? Very little. Most people in building out a new sanctuary would be like all the time, money, 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 money. I'm not like that because I'm already in agreement with God with what he wants to do. And when I'm in agreement with him, he'll do it in you. So I don't have stress about it. $100,000 checks come out suddenly. It seems like a suddenly, but really there was an agreement in advance. See, if I could start to get you to agree for what you want and what God wants for you in advance, in worship, in prayer, in promise, God goes, because some of you, and my wife and I have been having this conversation, we're always wanting the next thing, but God says, are you going to be faithful with what I put in front of you now? We've, it's contentment. She posted a great post on contentment on her Instagram. Because contentment is knowing I'm everything who God wants me to be right now. I have a full-grown Jesus in me. I have everything of who he is now. And if I can't learn to be faithful with what I've got now, why would God give you more? It's being faithful when you're a busboy. It's being faithful when you're cleaning toilets. It's being faithful when no one's watching. It's being faithful when it's hard. It's being faithful when you feel overlooked. It's being faithful when you're doing the, the small, menial, tedious jobs that you hate to do and you feel so, and then you start complaining and you start complaining to God. God can handle your complaints. But the thing is, is many times God keeps you in that frying pan to, so that you can become strong and resilient so when the next thing comes, <clears throat> You don't do the same thing with that, where it's a constant complaining. God hates complaining. It's in my top four pet peeves after bad food, bad coffee, and Christians that don't worship. They're right in there. They all go together. Just don't understand. They're like, I'm a Christian. I gave it all to Jesus. I don't like that. This guy knows. This crazy guy in the cowboy hat. And the best, Breach it. He's like, he was an outlaw biker. He was the biggest jerk. He was beating people up and selling drugs and hurting his girlfriend, who's now his wife. They just had a baby. He's like, all Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like a Jesus freak all of a sudden. And some of those old people are like, oh, where'd my, where'd my boy Beanie go? Well, Beanie's in the grave right now. Here's my boy Reuben, who's a Jesus lover. That's how that works. Like my nickname, 
I used to be, my nickname back in the day was Dave TV. It was all Dave all night because I was just a gigolo. David Lee Roth, Van Halen, that was my song. You know where Dave TV's at now? People come looking around. People from my past say, Dave TV. Yeah, Dave TV's dead, bro. He's in the grave. I'm not Dave TV. I'm David, the son of the king TV. That's who I am now. You know those nicknames you used to have, those people that call you this and that? That person needs to die. Oh, Amber did not have a nickname. She wanted you all to know that. Make music like never before. See, this church is, is stepping into a new season, a new sound, and a new song. From the hip-hop concert coming up this Friday to the conference at New Year's, which is going to have four legends of worship here, Dana Diaz, Leonard Jones, Jason Lee Jones, and Chris Burns, all of them releasing new sounds. This church is designed to become a new sound to a city to people's lives, releasing a new song. Songs and culture go hand in hand. What's the song of the culture of Corpus Christi? God's song. That's what we're gonna find. And we're finding it. So the band's challenged to release new songs. And uh, by the way, I love Shannon's new song, Only the Lord Can Satisfy, first time we sung it. And some of you are like, oh, a new song. I don't know the lyrics. Why is that band just flowing that long? And like, hurry up, let's get back to lyrics. But God's saying, sing a new song which means in those moments, those are the times that the band's listening and waiting and discovering. The instruments are releasing a new sound. But if you don't see it and understand it, you'll go sit back and go, they lost me. Let's get back to the song I know. And God's saying, no, I want to make a new song. That's why Wednesday nights are more of that than Sunday morning because I know it can be tough. And there's something powerful when we all sing together and make a melody in unison together, Right? But the band is learning and discovering. And when new pe- I introduce new people to you, like some of you are like, man, Friday, this is going to be your norm. But for some people, it's going to be like, I don't even understand this kind of music in church. Right? But see, God is the originator and creator of them all. Okay? So you have to be patient. You have to grow. And you have to learn to begin to sing that new song in your own heart. And you also have to realize that God doesn't want you to be unwise. He wants you to be wise. God doesn't want you to be drunk with wine. He wants you to be drunk with spirit, the spirit. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to you being an idiot. I'll paraphrase it for you. It really says, which leads to dissipation or debauchery. But what it really means is when you drink, you do something stupid you shouldn't do. That's what that means. Now, I'm not anti-alcohol, and I don't think alcohol in and of itself is a sin. But I think for some people, you can never drink because of your personality, unresolved issues in your heart, and especially when you're single. Now, first off, I'm not a very good drinker, just so that you know. But drinking in my singleness did not go good. And that's why I think if you're single, you shouldn't drink. That's, and is that a hard, fast rule for everybody? Maybe not. But as a pastor, I've seen more destruction, more uh-ohs and mess-ups and babies and pornography and fill in the blank. That comes from when you're inhibited. I'm sorry, uninhibited. When you don't care what other people think or say. 
And this is a strong, vibrant culture, but this isn't party, crazy, super. We are not the Corinthian church. We're the Ephesians church. We're a warfare, worshiping, vibrant, full of life, turn the city upside down. All the world will know. We've come from all the world to the city upside down. We may move in the gifts of that, but I'm gonna tell you right now, listen to me. I care about you. I hope I'm at your wedding day. If you and your wife wanna have a drink together in private and you, it doesn't lead you to sin, great, because that can't happen. Jesus even said, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out. But if you have an addictive personality, it leads to two, to three, to four. Next thing you know, whole bottle's down. And earlier in the day, you were praising Jesus. And then at two o'clock in the morning, you're ripping all your ex-boyfriends a new one because the alcohol's talking. I see it all the time. I want to protect you. I care about you. And when you're single, God wants you to be sober-minded. In fact, God wants us all to be sober-minded. That is the in general issue with alcohol, just so that you know. Or even pot. Because people's like, well, pot's legal in these states. What do you think about pot? I said, I'll tell you what I think. What does the Holy Spirit say? What does the Bible say? It says be sober-minded. The issue is being sober-minded. It's that the enemy wants to knock you off so that you're sidetracked and distracted. And you give the devil the tip of your finger and he'll take your whole arm. That's how that works. My little side rant for the day. Let's get back to what I was going to say. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 17 through 21. Do not be, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You've got to understand the will of the Lord. It's different than the plan. The will and the plan are two different things. God's got a desire for you. And he says, live this way and stay in position. And I will handle the great gain in the plan. I know, I know, God says, I know the plan I have for you. So the plan, the plan, the plan, the purpose, the purpose, what's my purpose? God says, let me tell you what my will is because God's will leads to his purpose and his plan. Okay? So understand what the will is. Don't be unwise. call or a little toke or a couple little drinks or just a little 40 or we can I'm going to hang out with my boyfriend tonight and we're just going to have one drink maybe two and next thing you know it's a bottle and you're rocking it nobody needs to bother knocking like I said I'm gonna shoot it straight in this church this isn't like g church am I right I'm just telling you what many of you already know. So be filled with the Spirit. You know what it means to be filled? How often should you be filled? That word filled is I was, I am, and I will be. It's all the time, full time, every time. It means I'm extra aggressive to stay full. To be full means you're fully furnished with everything that you need and lacking nothing. Because when you have the fullness of the spirit, are you missing anything? Are you losing anything? Is there anything you don't have when you're full of the spirit? Is there? You know what happens when you're not full of spirit? Victim mentality. It's your fault. And it's your fault. And it's her fault. Because she wasn't there when I need her and didn't do what I thought she should do. But see, God's... Nothing else can get in because I'm crammed to max capacity. Porn can't slip in. Some sexual thing can't slip in. I can't let myself start checking out any other girls because I'm always in the spirit and always full of the spirit. And I'm always looking at my wife, who I think is really hot. 
Really? Like I'm really attracted to my wife. In fact, the more full of spirit, the more attracted I am to her. You speak to one another in psalms, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, I want you to notice it says making melody in our heart. Melody first starts in the heart. You know what a melody is? In Hebrew, it literally means a twang or to strike a string and release a sound. It means to twang, to sing, to pluck, to cause to vibrate. Remember, everybody here is vibrating right now. Your heart's pulsing, blood's coursing through your veins. Everything's a vibration. Sound is being released in this room. That is all about vibration and disturbing air molecules. And it's traveling through the air. Or if you feel the bass through the medium of uh, a solid. The principal part of harm... A melody is the principal part in harmonized music. Remember last week I talked about a harmony. Harmony in the Greek is the word for joint. Not a joint you smoke, a joint in your body, okay? Where two bones meet and makes the body flexible and causes the body to move with ease and in one accord. That's what a joint is, okay? In the Greek, it's a harmony. And the root word of harmony is a well-built chariot. So God is building us into a well-built chariot. And not everybody's going to get on this chariot, but God's building one all over the world and people might get on other ones. That's why if I'm not somebody's style or I'm too loud or they don't like to worship and this, there's people that come and visit and don't stay. Many, most of us have stayed, but some people will realize that they would rather go get in the building process with Pastor Faylauer or with Pastor Don or with Pastor Ken or whatever. And that's Okay. You have to find your tribe, find your part, find your place, be challenged, be equipped, and start getting built. You got to allow yourself to be built in. And so melody, a melody is the principal part in harmonized music, a collective sequence of notes that is musically satisfying. So think about your voice box, your larynx, okay? Think about everybody's got a voice box or a larynx. Your larynx is a hollow muscular organ forming an air passage to the lungs and holding your vocal cords. Okay, really your vocal cords are reeds. That's the type of instrument it is. Every one of you has this instrument in you. It's a small but hard, it's small but hardy folds of tissue and muscle at the back of your throat that translate air from your lungs into Humming, yelling, shouting, talking, singing, speaking. How? By vibrating as I breathe. They make sound and your mouth makes speech. And the song comes from the heart. And God, when he transforms your heart, gives you a new song. And that new song that comes through your larynx your voice box through the reeds in your throat comes out of your mouth and it's pleasing to the Lord. And in, and in Revelation 5, you know what God says he does with your sound? He catches it in bowls and harps. Harps are playing your sound. It's Revelation 5. It's called harp and bowl. That's why I like, personally, I like listening to IHOP. 20 hours of straight worship night and day. 
different bands every two hours, different worship leaders. And it's the harp and bowl model. It's call and response. So the, the, the living creatures, the 24 elders will say out and then the worship around the throne is playing it and releasing it as a song. This is happening in heaven right now. I may get to Revelation 4 and 5 and teach you on that, but I would encourage you to meditate. Right now in heaven, those voices and songs are all going on around the throne. And they're catching your prayers and your songs in harps and bowls. So nothing's a waste. So guess what I do? I sing a little louder. I shout a little louder. And many times something's coming from the throne of my heart to the throne of heaven. I feel it. There's these moments when I start to connect and I'm like, I release this hum or this cry in my heart. It's hard for me to explain it to you, but I know that what's coming from the depth of me is touching the throne room of God. Do you understand, Mark? And these worship leaders understand this. It's like I connect with heaven and I bring heaven, the song of heaven, I bring where? to earth and many times I start singing out this song and I can feel my sound start to permeate the region I start to sing through Port A and I see it in my mind I sing through the homes and the houses of the people on the island and in Sinton and in Robstown and on Old Brownsville Road and then I start singing for you I don't know you but I'll remember your face and I'll say that guy And I start releasing a song and a sound when you weren't watching or thinking, didn't know. And now I start interceding and praying for you. And some of you in the places you shouldn't be and doing the things you shouldn't do, guess who's singing over you? I'm not the only one. That's the power of the body of Christ. That's why you can run, but you can't hide, bro. Because I love you and God sings over you. In fact, I can teach you, and I may get to it, that the Lord is rejoicing and singing over us. Did you know that? The Lord rejoices and sings over your life. The power of song and the new song and the new sound coming out of you transforms cities and regions and nations. So, I'm going to leave you with this. A third of the Bible is poetry and song. 185 songs in total, 150 alone in the book of Psalms. Battles, coronations, weddings, funerals, cities getting sacked, and seas splitting. Chants, dirges, and hymns. 185. In the, that's just the songs, not counting all the poetry, poetic language and prayers. One of the songs I hope to get to is the song of Mary. My soul magnifies her, the Magnificat in Italian. is a song of a young Hebrew girl that gets impregnated with the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, which we're, about, we're celebrating now and will here in a few weeks. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And as soon as she greets her cousin, the Holy Spirit fills John the Baptist as a baby inside of her. Uh, Brian came up and told me that at 12 weeks in the womb, a baby's vocal cords are fully developed. Yeah, and so the Holy Spirit hits the babies filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb and the baby leaps. And what does Mary do? She sings a song. So check this out. If I am making melody in my heart, babies to leap, 
I'm talking your vision, your promise, your hope, your future. Everybody should pop like popcorn in this place if I'm being spirit-led and speaking under his authority, right? So what happens is, is I'm making a melody in my heart. I hope you hear melodies when I preach. I don't want you to feel beat up, but I'll be firm. I'm a father. I love you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Bomb it, blow it, screw it up. Singles go out and hang out and they get wild and crazy and they come back and repent and be like, come here. My heart hurts. I don't want you to do that. But you know what? I love you. I care about you. Not, you're an idiot. What happened to you? Man, beat you up and you're such a jerk. That's not how I, it's not my heart. But if I can cause your baby to leap, you'll cause me to sing a song. Think about it. I was already singing a melody in my heart, but when you leapt, you created a response in me. Think about it. John the Baptist leaps in in Elizabeth's womb, and Mary doesn't go, man, that was cool. Whoa, hey, yeah, fall out, or whatever. I don't know. Or high five, yeah, man, that's cool. See you later. No, what did she do? She responds with the Magnificat. Because it made her soul magnify the Lord. Now, we may do some teaching on this as we get close to Christmas. This would be a good Christmas message for all those first-timers that are coming. Start praying for them. You know who they are. There will be a whole bunch of people that come and only come on Christmas. That's not you. That's not you. So we may teach on the magnificent. It's really canticle. So that's the canticle of canticles. He's like, what's a canticle? Well, look it up. <laughs> it's a hymn in Italian, I think, is what that means. It's a strange word. Unless you were Catholic. You're like, yeah, a canticle. You're sort of like, huh, okay. So there's tons of songs in the Bible. I'm going to tell you about this one real quick. This one's the song of David's victory in 1 Samuel 18. This is the song when David defeats the enemy and comes back, and all the women of Israel start going, Oh, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is ten thousands. That's the song. That's the whole song that we know of, which really angered. That was the tipping point for Saul. Saul's like, I'm going to kill him. Because you get all the women singing for David. Saul, in his insecurities, like blowing gaskets. That's what happened. But this song apparently was so powerful that even the Philistine army knew the song. Because when they heard about David, they go, is this the one that they sang about? Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. Here's my point. David didn't write the song. He was the song and somebody else sang it about him. And the word got to the enemy's camp. And there was no internet, radio, flyers, none of that. When you get born again, your name is known in hell. The difference is, is when you start bombarding the gates of hell, they put a wanted poster on the wall. There's a wanted poster on the wall for my name and many of you. See, the devil doesn't mind if you're a Christian, just sit on the bench, pat up, suit up. You can be on the team, but just sit down. You're benched. And the devil's like, oh, as long as you're benched, that's okay. But you start sharing your testimony. If you start sharing your testimony... And you don't live the way that you used to live. Guess what? Yes. Wanted posters go up. People see it, hear it, fear it. And now suddenly, 
All those old people you used to run with are sitting right here in this church going, yeah, woo yeah, I got set free. People are laying their meth on the altar. People are rejoicing. They're going to redeem. I mean, it's beautiful. Millionaires and homeless and addicts and families from the South Side. I don't care where they're at. Sitting side by side, worshiping and praising God. Sound is a wave. It's a vibration that travels through air, gas, water, and solids. Like waves in the sea, they have a crest, a trough, a wavelength, an amplitude, a frequency, and speed. If you're a surfer, you understand that, okay? Waves have a crest, they have a trough. The distance between two waves is a wavelength, okay? Sound is a wave, but different than water. The wave of a water is transverse, meaning it moves in one direction, okay? Think about it. I'm moving from left to right. It's transverse. But sound waves are longitudinal. What does that mean? It means that my sound bounces against him. He makes a sound and bounces me back. It's like a spring. Instead of moving in one direction, it bounces back and forth, but propels. Your sound will propel the person sitting next to you. My kids today, my daughter's up here with a bunch of friends that from here in the church up in the front. And then one of them says, when are they going to release the kids? I said, I don't know, but right now we're going to worship. So watch me. And so they watch and I stand up and I'm, and there's that first song and I'm like dancing and they're looking, I'm like, don't let this 50 year old man outdo your eight. You better start worship. This is ridiculous. You mean I'm going to outdo you. But what's really happening is my to propel them, but also to bring something back to me. Okay, now I'm going to teach you this real quick. When sound is in a container, my sound's being released right now. It's hitting these walls and it bounces back. Okay, because it's in a container. Now, if I release my sound and it hits the wall and comes back and then you release your sound, resonating together, what does it do? It causes, it's cacophony. It's confusion of sound. If you know anything about the sea or a surfer or fishing, the Gulf of Mexico is like a cacophony of sound. Okay, because the way it's contained and the way the waves move, you can go out in the Gulf of Mexico and waves are hitting you left, right? It's like a washing machine sometimes. You want to get seasick? Go out on a rough day on the Gulf of Mexico. It's not like consistent half the time. Sometimes, but more often than not, it's not. And I'll use this example. If you have a bathtub, go fill it up tonight, halfway, stick your hand in it and start shaking it up really big. You know what it does? Waves all around. It's a cacophony of waves. If you go too slow, those waves do the same thing. But if you do it just right, and you move with the waves together, what happens to those waves? They get bigger and lower. And next thing you know, the water is swaying together as one big giant wave. And now the water starts to overflow. Follow me, I'm going somewhere with this as a church. This is the spiritual meaning here. If I can get us to resonate together, see, if those sounds hit the wall and come back and they don't match, if our sounds don't match, 
God's sound or each other's sound, then we hit different high points and low points and it creates confusion. Or actually the, the, the study of music theory is, is it cancels each other out. You become zero. That's a node. If you study a node in like in physics, it's no energy. A node is in between two waves and never moves. It's fixed and it's move, immovable. Some of us are like Christian nodes. And we come into worship, it's like nothing moves you. It's like God can be pouring out and teenagers are getting rocked, crying and weeping in prophecy and prophecy and you're like, skeptical and just questioning everything. It's okay to, to test things and even question things. But if it leads to skepticism and you don't understand the word and you don't ask somebody, you don't get some insight and knowledge, you'll just be a critic. You'll be a worship critic, so worship node. But then there's, there's antinodes. An antinode is somebody that, so when the waves are moving in perfect synchrony like this, somebody goes, bah, bah, and or it's like we're singing Amazing Grace, and somebody's like, yeah, Lord, yeah, yeah. It's like we're all like and singing a hymn together. It's like, and I get it, but more often than not, that burst of emotion becomes more like a destructive sonic boom because they've moved ahead of the sound, and now they're a distraction. So I'm going to tell you when you sing, when you worship, when you pray in tongues, you can do it out loud, but it's in unison together. A sonic boom means that, the, that we got ahead of the sound. The medium got ahead of the sound to the point where it matched the speed of sound, which is, I don't know, 800 to 1,000 miles an hour. That's how fast sound is. And if this, when, this person, when the, you match the speed of sound, it creates a boom. In one way, a sonic boom can be a good thing. In another way, a sonic boom can be extremely distracting. But what's God really want to do? He wants to break you out of being a dead node, get you into the wave, get you harmonized, get you synchronized, get you into melody, and get us as a church to do this. And now we're releasing not just one voice traveling through regions and cities, but three voices and ten voices, and Lauren's voice humming and singing beautiful worship and sound, and now together we become one, and Jeremy, and now Amber, and now Doug, and all of you together in unison, releasing a new sound. And in turn, released in heaven and sent back to earth. And it's a cyclical pattern of worship where God's releasing a new song and a new sound in all of us. We've got to release our sound waves that are inside of our lungs from a heart postured with Christ. Now, Trey, who was a bad dude and in prison, now is here sitting in the second row worshiping, loving Jesus, and now the bad boy he used to be, he's not that person anymore. So now his new sound from his heart that he releases, which no one's ever heard because no one's like him. Doesn't matter if he's singing it right or wrong. The point is, is when he sings, I grab onto his sound, he grabs onto my sound, and now all of a sudden, our sound becomes amplified in unison to transform regions and cultures around us. You got it? All right, I hope I didn't lose you guys with some of that today. I know that was heavy, intense stuff. Yeah, it's like you're in school, classes in session today. If we're going to become a new song, you have to understand the power of sound. I just barely even scratched the surface, okay? So right now what I want to do is I want to pray for you. I want to pray that your night time would not be 
filled with darkness. I want to pray that at night when the kids are asleep and the doors are shut and your flesh wants to rise up, that you shut it down and you dive into the king. I want to pray that anything in your life that's causing you to sin, that you would cut it off. I want to pray that your life would become a beautiful song of expression, not of hate, anger, bitterness, but of love, joy, wonder, power. I want to pray that some of you'd start worshiping like you've never worshiped before. Who cares what people think when you lift your hands? Don't even get me started on what's in the Bible about lifting holy hands. It's biblical. But sometimes like, I'm never going to lift my hands, ever. You know, I have to teach my kids to not be inhibited. We get in the cars, come on, kids, lift your hands up. Get a little shy. I'm like, no, 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 no. Shy is a lie. You are six. Get your hands up. This is a Holy Ghost stick up. Okay, Daddy. More often than not, when they see me do it, they do it. What song are you singing? Watch what happens with this band. Watch what happens with the worship team. Mark my words, new songs. Songs of our culture, songs of God's heartbeat, songs of the region, new sounds. Come on, come on Friday night. Even if some of you are like, man, I don't get earplugs. I don't care which is too loud. But most importantly, sing your song. Sing it out loud. Sing it in the shower. Sing it in the car. Go for a walk at night when no one's around. Go find a place that you can get on. Go to the beach. That's the beautiful thing about living on the coast. You can go down to the National Seashore and walk for miles and no one's around. You can just scream and shout and nobody's going to hear you but the Lord. Whatever it takes. And then when you come in here, it's going to be a natural overflow of what you did out there. But I want to see your heart change or you won't sing a new song. If you're angry, bitter, ticked off, mad, offended, not flamed on, not passionate, living in hidden secrets in, that hidden chapter that nobody's reading, I want to pray for that right now. That you come into the light. No fear, no shame, no lying. I'm going to cover you with love so that you will become and sing that new song you're supposed to sing. All right, just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. You don't have to do anything right now, but just receive my prayer over your life. All right? So God, I just lift up everybody here today and everybody that's been watching online. I pray that we'd be one giant sound wave coupled together with the sound waves of heaven and that Lord, we would sing a new song, a joyful song, a song of victory and marvel and wonder. But even in our failures and pain that we'd sing about that, that we'd sing about the hardships and the difficulties, that we would release our cry and prayer and song to you no matter what we're facing or going through. God, I want to thank you that this church is becoming a new sound and releasing a new song. Not just the worship team, but all of us together as one. Lord, I thank you that there'll be no more Christian nodes, that we wouldn't just be idle and stand by, but we'd get in the wave. I pray, Lord, that everybody here who's hurting and broken and addicted, who's been hiding secret sexual sins and secret lovers and alcohol and drugs or whatever it is that Lord, we would bring it to the light because we know you love us and you care for us. And I cover everybody here with love, God's love. When you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Wake us up, God, wake us up, wake this church up. Wake up the body of Christ here and all over the world to release a new sound and a new song 
and prepare our hearts for that at night, in the morning, and when we need you the most, Lord, throughout all of our days. I bless you. I speak life and comfort and strength to you. Surrender it all to Jesus. No more lukewarm Christianity. Be flamed on and fired up for Jesus all the days of your life. I believe in you, but he believes in you even more. I love you, but Jesus loves you the best. I bless your life mightily with fresh fire and the wind of the spirit to release a new song in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all. Have an awesome day. Woo!